Liturgy. I am Becca Mitiki Conlon, the pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church on the south side of Easton. And I'm Lydia Apostle, pastor of Family of God Lutheran in Buckingham, Pennsylvania. And we are Lit Liturgy, worship with a twist. So a little bit about why we decided to call ourselves Lit Liturgy. There's a couple of meanings of the rad phrase lit. One being, <laughs> it is rad. <laughs> I think it's rad. Hello, the 80s have knocked on your door. <laughs> the 80s are totally back, and the 90s. All the, all the things are back. Because they're back because they are so lit. They're so happening. They're so popping. They're so on fire, and people love them. And lit also means super drunk, and why we are, we'll probably not get super drunk. We will drink as we do this podcast, which brings us to our drink of the day. We actually, um, I we did a mix and match six-pack today, so we have a little bit of everything. So first round for me is Two Roads, um, which is in Connecticut. It was actually a local brewery when I lived there. And it's Little Heaven, which is one hell of a heavenly brew is their tagline. <laughs> it really it's was. An, it's a session IPA, which is okay. I'm not a huge IPA fan, but it's all right for an IPA. And I'm drinking Holy Crap, <laughs> which is an Imperial Red Ale. Oh, who's I don't, the brewery? Mispillion uh, River? Am I saying that right? I don't know. I just wanted you to pronounce Mispillion. that. I'm not even that drunk yet. Uh, we and it's got a rad dinosaur on the front. Um, rad. Your this is your word rad. of the day. It's my word of the day. Uh, um, it's a bit on the heavy side, which I'm not as big of a fan of. Um, but uh, the picture is fun, and I like to think that when the angel told Mary that she was going to have Jesus, that is something that she could have said. That is true. Holy crap! <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> uh, actually, in seminary when we. We're in Hebrew class and had to translate the word hine, which is often translated as oh. We one of the responses <laughs> that would be holy crap or oh shit or um, oh snap or oh snap. Yes, you're gonna have a baby. Oh snap. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. You know. Uh, yeah. So we will swear because I just did. Um, welcome to the world. <laughs> um, so you should have heard us earlier when I spilled my beer and there was a lot worse being said. That's so. Really funny. So we have a special addition to our podcast. Yay! Um, our uh, music, which you presumably would have heard at the beginning of our podcast. If I did the editing right. <laughs> if we there. did the editing right. Um, it's by Brian Odeen, who is a seminarian at Wartburg Seminary. And we thank him graciously so much for creating from scratch that beautiful yes. theme song. Love and it. Hopefully it will get in your head a little bit like yeah. it got in mine. Yeah. So this month it is, we are actually recording this on what is Trick or Treat Night here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where I live. And yet we are going to be talking about Advent because it's coming up and we want to make sure that we get you plenty of ideas uh, in advance. Because this is our What's Brewing segment where we, each month we spend some time looking in depth at some topic um, and talk about some creative ways to present that either in worship or in the life of the congregation. So Advent it is. It is Advent. I love Advent. So in the kind of the common parlance slash in dictionary.com, <laughs> Advent is coming in, a coming into a place, view or being, an arrival, but of course in the churchy world, in churchy language, Advent means the beginning of the church year, uh, the new beginning of when we were looking forward to Christmas. It's all about waiting. Hopefully we can include lots of pregnancy language. But let's not ask women if they're pregnant. Exactly. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's make that, that caveat. We both have been the victims of that. 
Don't ever do yeah, that. Yeah, don't do that. Yep. Yeah. So that that is not okay during any season of the church year. <laughs> Zero times. <laughs> Never. I love Advent because I feel like Advent is a time that we've all experienced in our lives at one point or another. We've all lived through a period of Advent, whether it was four, four weeks, four years, four years, or days, weeks, months, years. Um, we all kind of are... I've all experienced what it's like to be waiting in hope for something. Yeah. A few years ago, I was in a conversation with a bunch of people and we were talking about people saying Merry Christmas in the middle of December and how people were, or Happy Holidays. And we're like, what would be the appropriate Advent greeting? Because it's not yet Christmas in the church. And it was decided that it should be anticipatory Advent. And so since then, I've signed all of my December newsletter articles with have an anticipatory advent. And I'm actually going to have to write that article very soon. So it's coming. <laughs> Whatever it will be about, at the end of it, I'm sure it will say, have an anticipatory advent. It's kind of a mouthful, but it's kind of cool because I imagine it would make people stop and go, what? Yes. <laughs> a what what? Maybe a conversation starter. So, of course, coming with advent comes the change of pyramids. Yay. Yay. And so there is... No more green. Yeah, no more green. Thank God. You know, with some white and or red kind of interspersed. But it also means that you can have liturgical legs like I do. Like every... This is so weird. Sorry. Legs? (laughs) What are you talking about? Every Sunday during Advent and Lent, I either wear blue or purple tights or a blue or purple dress and so it's it's liturgical legs you don't have any green dresses i do have like two okay and one pair of green and tights but i don't wear tights much during the season after pentecost so that's true anyway so you meant so purple versus blue which one do you do i've done most of my life i've done blue but the church i grew up in did purple the church I was baptized in. Yeah. How about I think you? It's the same for me. I think we grew up purple and then went to blue. And my, actually, I just found out my church now does purple. Oh, and, but this is your first advent. This is my first advent. advent. So I'm going to have a blue stole because I I really like my advent stole. My yeah. mom actually made it. It's got an angel and a star on it. Well, and my purple stole has a crown of thorns on it. Yeah. So it wouldn't be all that adventy. Right. Mine too. Exactly. It has a cross and a crown on it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that wouldn't be adventy, but. I think my current congregation, which this is my second advent there, so I don't quite remember, has blue pyramids, but yet they still have purple candles in the advent wreath because mm. they're oil candles, and each one of those candles is like 60 bucks, and so to replace four of them just seems like a ridiculous cost for something you use only four times a year yeah. for a church that, you know, is not super well off financially. Yeah. I wish Advent were longer. Like it it feels yeah. like there is a movement Advent. to start Advent actually the Sunday after like to start it the Sunday after All Saints Day or two weeks earlier or something like that. So it's a six week. Because historically it was, but I don't know that. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, but historically Advent was purple because it was a little Lent. Um, but a lot of people have been moving to blue. Mm-hmm. It was more it was more penitential than I think yeah. it is, than it is now. Yes. And it's a little more hopeful, which blue is the color of hope. Well, it's the color of Mary. Mm-hmm. And it's also, and the shade of blue that's most often used is the shade of the sky right before the sun rises. Mm-hmm. It's not a royal blue or a sky blue, like a noon sky blue, but right. a dawn sky blue. Yeah. People who study colors and their meanings have also um, shared 
that blue is also a holy considered a holy color. That's and that's why oh. Mary Mary is typically dressed in blue. Yes. Um, and or Jesus is sometimes dressed in blue and he's sometimes dressed in red because red is kind of a more earthy human color. So if you're like watching a movie and are like, oh, I see that there's a lot of blue happening or a lot of red. I'm picturing things, pictures of Jesus, and the only thing I can picture him wearing is like the little white underwear thing. <laughs> right. Well, growing up as a kid, this is a little off topic, but like the cartoon version of Jesus, he had like a white robe and like a red oh, yes. sideways sash. Yes, and it was almost I, always red. I have a few of those action figures in my office. Right. Yes. Yes. And the reason that it's red is because Jesus is divine, but also human. Oh. Theoretically, that's that's what they say. I'm just. I'm just the messenger. Okay, not theoretically <laughs> Jesus is divine. But well, yeah, you're yeah, exactly. Theoretically <laughs> about the colors. Do superior. not burn me at the stake for heresy, please. So uh, anyway, going back to Advent. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things that uh, most churches do, and a lot of homes as well, for uh, for Advent, I almost said Christmas. Is <laughs> We're to probably going to be doing that a lot. <laughs> yeah, is to have an Advent wreath. A lot of times you will have a special moment in the worship service where you light the candles and there's some sort of prayer and maybe a song to go with it. Uh, what I have not figured out what I'm doing for my congregation yet for the leaf, wreath lighting. Um, I don't know what prayers I'm going to do. So I'm still in the search for something. But I'm looking for something that's simple and maybe just changes like two words every week. Mm. And that way I can give it to people so that they can do it at home as well. Whether it's their table grace, whether they have a wreath at home, even if they only light that wreath once a week, just something that they can bring worship home. Because Advent is also great. It is probably the best season of the church year to really have children learn and also through that family's learning. Yeah, I love that idea of only changing like one or two things. Yes. I'm also still trying to figure out... I might just write something. So If I do, I'll post it on Facebook yeah. and Twitter so you all can have it too. Yeah. If you do a song with it during... Uh, that's what my congregation did last year. We, at various times I've done Light One Candle to Watch for Messiah or He Came Down, which I love that song. But a warning to If He Came Down, if you're going to emphasize... The what the candles mean, which is in order: hope, love, joy, peace. Which I can never remember. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> if you're emphasizing what those candles mean, make sure that if you use the song "He Came Down," that those verses are not in the same order. And I think hope is never a verse. Or, or isn't it light or something? Yeah, like, there's light. He came hope. down that we may have light, but you could easily like. Oh yeah, we just we just switched what verse we were singing, and yeah. we but we realized it week one, and we're like, oh, this doesn't match, and so weeks two through four of Advent, we then made them match. But the wreath comes from the circle, I mean, there to symbolize the eternity of God, and then the candles. You add a candle each week so that you are growing in both that anticipation, anticipation, having <laughs> <laughs> an anticipatory Advent. <laughs> Let me have another beer. Um, but also the season of light that happens, which is much more epiphany in some ways, but also Advent as well, because we are in this time of year in December when, I mean, the longest night of the year is just a few days before Easter. So as it's Christmas. Christmas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm talking about Advent three days before Halloween. You get all messed up. Yes. Oh. So while we are having the candles and growing in light, it's actually more and more darkness outside. Which is a beautiful image because people are getting depressed because it's yes. like getting dark. And yet the church is... So, which also brings us to Advent versus Christmas. Like, there is so much in this world. I was just thinking, 
Lydia and I often, when we have these podcasts record, we, we buy beers because of the fun names. Not and because of the taste. No. <laughs> I mean, I have beers that I prefer, but we definitely go by, oh, this is a fun name, hence why we went with Holy Crap and Little Heaven today. Mm-hmm. But it's still a little bit too early for a lot of the winter beers to come out. They're just now coming out. But I realized how much of the winter beers are named for Christmas stuff and not Advent. And in the world, like, Christmas is everywhere already. I mean, it's been out. I am not kidding you. I drove down the street in August and one of my neighbors, a few blocks from me, had up in August a Christmas tree with lights on it on their front porch in August. Oh my gosh. And I have seen in people's homes, not just in the stores, but in people's homes Uh already, early and Uh mid-October, like a nativity set set up. I mean, at least Mm -hmm. it was a nativity set, but I have seen... Christmas decorations. For like months. Yes. In people's homes, not just in stores. And it's just frustrating in some ways because we also, I mean, maybe some of your old timers in your church will talk about how they didn't decorate for Christmas until Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen anymore. That there was this time for Advent and you could have Advent and you could prepare for Christmas fully. But now we are in this world where Christmas is everywhere, and it's for months, but yet on December 26th, it will no longer exist. Right. Yeah, we have this weird fixation in our culture about, like, the lead-up to things, and then, like, it's done. Like, yes. once it happens, it's done. Like, yes. it's That's why we spend so much time, I think, leading up yes. so to there's, Christmas. If you don't know about it yet, please look up Advent Conspiracy. It's a movement website, a Facebook group that's been around for probably oh, at wow. least 10 years. Um, that's about, they have four tenets that you should worship fully, spend less, give more, meaning of your time and generosity and not money, and then love all. And so they have these four tenets that fit really well with what Advent and the true meaning of it is. And actually, I've, I've done it a few times where I have focused on those four tenets for the four weeks of Advent. Mm-hmm. And I did everything, you know, our first Sunday of Advent was all worship fully. Our second Sunday of Advent was all about spending less. Probably would have done that this year, except for Advent 4s on Christmas Eve this year, which is a different story, which we'll yeah, get to we'll later. We'll get to that, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Whereas I think, you know, if the four, the four opposite of the tenets of Advent conspiracy for Christmas would be like, worship less, <laughs> spend more give really expensive things and yep. be crabby. Yes. Which is a lot of people during the Exactly. Advent. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, a couple years ago in my first call, I, um, was trying to come up with fun, interactive ways to learn about Advent for my youth group and to combine something that kids and everyone loves to do, take selfies and to do scavenger hunts. I love, I love doing scavenger hunts. And for a while, like, selfie scavenger hunts were really popular, and I think people are, I'm assuming people are still doing them. So I created a... If you've been on Instagram, people are still doing selfies. Come on. Well, yes, but I'm, like, scavenger hunt type things. Um, yeah, Yes, of course, we're still doing selfies. That is not going anywhere soon, <laughs> as long as we all have smartphones. So by use of something we already have, which is almost everybody has a smartphone, but where... Where is the most Christmas-heavy, Christmas-laden place during... The mall. Yes, the mall. But where would it be so cool to find signs of Advent? 
in the midst of where it's the most Christmassy. So what I did is I came up with a long list of self fun selfies to take that were based on the quote unquote Advent stories. Like, you know, the Christmas stories, mm-hmm. but like, do we know the stories, the Advent stories that we read in Advent? So I had the kids divide up into teams. You could name them fun things like peace or joy, like the different candles, or you could have like one that's Mary, one that's Joseph, you could have Herod. If you know. How about Elizabeth and Zachariah? Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, do that one. You can do whatever you would like. <laughs> that would probably be a better option. So you go into the mall in teams and you take pictures of yourself standing in front of, say, the maternity store and you act perplexed and you ponder things in your heart. I love that you're stroking your yes. chin. Like, as if you can see this. <laughs> you, and you, so you pose as if you're like pondering things in your heart in front of the maternity store. Or you go in front of Starbucks where there's a lot of caffeine and you act sleepy. And that represents Joseph being awoken from the dream that the angel told him, hey, you're soon to be wife. She's going to have a baby. And you run around and you take pictures of things that are blue, which is the color, color of Advent, Advent, and find things with the names of joy and peace and Advent candles. So um, I can link love and hope, love and hope <laughs> and all the rest. It, and the kids loved it. Like we would have pizza after. All right, so we've moved on. There's also always a debate about whether or not you should sing Christmas carols during Advent. There's no debate. <laughs> there is a debate, because the liturgy police might come out after you and arrest you. Exactly, that's why there's no debate. I'm of the camp that I think you should sing some. Like, I think there needs to be some, because it's part of that hope. Average churchgoers, for them to come in to worship on, like, Advent 3, and there's no, to them, visible signs of Christmas Mm -hmm. in worship, whether that's decorations or in your liturgy, including your music, to them, then it's like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And so, to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel... Or actually, um, this year, uh, if you are the revi- uh, Revised Common Lectionary Preacher, um, you can sing a Little Town of Bethlehem, Advent 1. It actually works really well with the song. Ah. Um, I think you have to delete one of the verses. I, no, I agree. That if, yeah, you, if, you're doing it, if you're doing it deliberately for a specific reason, yes. I'm totally on board with that. But yeah. not to be like, if your people say to you, oh, the, the Advent songs are so aren't peppy enough. <laughs> That's not a good reason. But also that's part of picking, I mean, that's part of that penitence, that Advent history, that if you are picking historical hymns, that a lot of Advent hymns are of that minor key and really boring. Fortunately, I have somebody on my music committee who absolutely hates all songs that are in minor key, so. (laughs) That's money. Oh, so we don't pick a whole lot of them, thankfully. (laughs) And there are peppy Advent hymns. Yes. Um, the Magnificat, you know, they're they're upbeat. And now just to make Advent, like this year, extra special, as we mentioned earlier, Advent 4 this year is on Christmas Eve. Whee! Yay, which means pastors will just be living it, and all church employees will be living at the church all day. Pretty much, yeah. On Christmas Eve. Be good to them. Bring them a beer. Yes, um, or a couple. Chocolate also works as well. Or actually just skip the beer and go for bourbon. You know, that works Right, straight, straight up. <laughs> um, but it also means that there's a lot of debate then on what to do that morning. Because yeah. there's this idea of, well, do you do Advent 4 in the morning? But then what about people who will go thinking that's their one time that they're going to go to Christmas Eve? 
or if you do something too much in the morning, then will they come oh, back? Like if you do all. your Christmas, your children's Christmas pageant that day, are they? Will they come back that evening for Christmas Eve? So it's a good opportunity to do something completely different. Yes. And also, let's also face it, most pastors don't want to have to write two sermons for exactly. the same day. Yep. So that's exactly what I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm yes. not writing two sermons for that day. So for the for the AM Advent for, um, for my context, I I'm like ninety percent sure that. The people who are going to come in the in the evening and afternoon to Christmas are also going to come in the morning as well. So I feel like I can do two fairly separate things for my context. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is an Advent hymn sing, which there's resources in Sundays and Seasons in the Lutheran tradition, and I believe in other traditions as well, that you can sing some of the Advent hymns that maybe you didn't get to because Advent is only four weeks. The version that I'm doing is something about... What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing about all the minor keys that you're oh. gonna like, you no, know, make people go home depressed before no, they come no. back for Christmas. It's not gonna be depressing, I promise. I'm sure it will. Because the one I'm doing, there's one about the antiphons. The coming manual. But the one that I'm doing is um, Christ, like, I was gonna say Christ from around the world, but it's like, it's Advent hymns, it's readings from Isaiah and Luke, and. The hymns that accompany the readings are from different nations around the world. From That's cool. In the ELW, in the Evangelical Lutheran Worship. So, like, some from, like, Cameroon and France and Spain. Some old-timey old ones we know and some we don't. So, it's kind of a good mixture of to remind ourselves that... It's always good to remind yourself that Christians are and are all over the world and we're all celebrating. Um, we're going to do a... I'm pretty sure we aren't... We're 95% positive at this point. Uh, we're going to do a baby shower for Mary that day. So um, in the morning, uh, I'm going to encourage people to bring baby gifts, especially diapers and wipes, that type of thing that you would bring to a baby shower, but also stuff that you can't get with WIC. And then uh, we're calling one of the local women's shelters to see if there's anything in particular that they need. And we're either going to do um, an activity during the service where we can decorate onesies or we're going to do fleece tie blankets. If you Google about making diapers out of old t-shirts, there's something that you can find online to, on that, and there are some organizations that will take those internationally, but you need some sewers. I think it's just straight line, so that's the good thing of it. Um, but we're just going to do something kind of fun and different. We'll sing some carols. We'll hear the gospel for that Sunday, which is the Mary finding out, uh, finding out that she's knocked up in the Lord. And saying, oh, crap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! I'm pregnant. Ah. <laughs> like, oh, but I have never, I've never known yeah. a man. I've never known a man. No, you've known a man. You just haven't had sex with right, a man. Right? Exactly. Like, oh, euphemism. Um, <laughs> and, and and Ruth slept at Boaz's feet. She had his feet. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the hope is to make it kind of an intergenerational event, a little bit of a party. Um, I think their other thought was to have the Christmas pageant that day, but I think we're not going to do that just because of the, then we won't get people back on Christmas Eve type for Christmas Eve service. And, and yes. So, and it's also then a low key thing for me. It will be a low key thing for my musician because either, you know, he'll just play a few Christmas carols that he knows well, but it will be on the piano in our fellowship hall. And also... It's going to be in our fellowship hall so we can decorate for Christmas earlier in the week. All sorts of good things of doing the baby shower. I have done in the past an Advent party at a few different places. Normally, um, I've done this either on the Sunday of Advent 1 or sometimes the Sunday of Christ the King. Depending on actually a lot on when it falls with Thanksgiving because 
Sometimes it works really well to do the Sunday after Thanksgiving, regardless of if it's Christmas, a Christ the King or Advent One, where you have this intergenerational event, you have uh, different stations where families together can make an Advent wreath and then you give them some sort of reading that they can do this every day. And you can make ones with candles for families with older kids and like either a felt one that they put like the little flannel light on or a coloring one for little, little kids. You can make an Advent calendar, you can put together an scenes um, if you have I know that Lydia you're thinking about doing this um, paint yes if you have clear windows somewhere either on your doors or you have them dividing yes. your sanctuary from your narthex and they, they're they like they're so great because you can pull them you can completely hide them and you can also pull them out so I'm going to paint the crap out of them yeah out of like a cool like nativity scene I'm yeah so excited so you can do a nativity scene and I found one a few years ago on Etsy it was like 10 bucks for the template that's meant for window painting and then you just blow it up to the size that you want yep you, or you use just use painter's tape yeah. to like do the outlines yeah. and then just paint in between but if you don't have someone who's extremely artistic to do the outline right yeah exactly and so we I either tape those up and then I did the outlines and then like kids do the you know almost like paint by number sections in between or you just put the sections up and they can do the outlines and everything themselves yeah. depending on the ages of and what you're doing and it looks so cool it does I would suggest leaving Jesus out until Christmas Eve and then you have oh. that little addition on Christmas Eve yes and and I would suggest I'm gonna try it this year is like having we're gonna do around a meal we're gonna have chili mm-hmm. when we do it and then I'm gonna do the same thing in Epiphany as like a cleanup party because I've um, heard it's messy to clean up. Well, not just that. You can also do like there's always like the hanging of the greens. One of my congregations, my internship congregation, actually did it for like Advent two every year. They did a special service of hanging of the greens, and they had a guy in their congregation that would always come up with a new theme every year, and he would have, and they would give out these decorations. And to me, it felt really chaotic, but it was because I didn't know this tradition, and I was also then a leader of it. But they brought up, they did little vignettes of a Bible reading that somehow related to what they were doing, talked about the symbolism of it, and then they had people bring up the garland that was strung down the center aisle, or they brought up red that was uh, roses that were in the Christmas tree that year, or the Christmas, or whatever it is. Oh, we haven't, we didn't talk about Christmas. Oh, Christmas. Well, that's more Christmas anyway. That's but true. Ad- but also, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, at the Advent party, you can also make Christmas because if you're like every congregation I have ever served, they are made out of styrofoam and they were made 20, 30 years ago and they're a little dated. And, and they're falling apart. Yes, more There's that. sprinkles or sprinkles. <laughs> glitter. <laughs> the sequins and the glitter are falling apart. Yeah, so. so make some Advent. Actually, I convinced my quilters this year, being the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, they're doing a Reformation tree. <gasps> cool. So they're, and this I stole off of Facebook. So they got gold embroidery hoops. They took embroidery hoops and wrapped them in gold ribbon. They're doing the blue Christmas ball mm-hmm. ornaments. Then they got red hearts that were just like the foam hearts that you get at like Valentine's Day, which will probably be out before Christmas anyway, <laughs> how stores true. work. And then they had white roses that from the flower floral section at the craft store. And then on the hearts, they drew, uh, put black crosses on them. So after the Luther rose, yes. if you're Lutheran and yes. listening. Yes. So. Well, if you're not Lutheran and you're listening, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Also, as we said earlier, Advent is a great, great um, season for kids about teaching them about that anticipation. 
I cannot I say it. that word anymore. I love it. Anticipation and hope that comes with Advent. One of the things that I love this book, I love it, love it, love it. There is a book called Donkey in the Living Room, and it's you can get either the book or you can get the full set, which includes the entire nativity set. But you can also use it with any nativity scene that you have if you have a family one, especially a kid-friendly one. And what you do is you wrap each of the pieces up and each day and number them. And then each day the kids get to unwrap one of the pieces of the nativity and there's a story behind it. The book itself I think is only 10 pieces. Uh, if you buy the set that comes with it, it's only for 10 days. So you're supposed to start December 15th or 14th, depending on if you're going to have Jesus come on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. <laughs> um, but he was born in August anyway. So it's all okay. <laughs> right, or April or what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you could, if you add extra, if you have plenty of animals and shepherds, and if you have like townspeople or stuff, you could stretch that to be the full 25 days and you just read the one about animals a few times. And it's all about the do- why there's a donkey in the living room. Just a plug for donkey in the living room. I got that. All of the, my god kids and nieces and nephews, all each family got that book a few years ago and a few, uh, quite a few of them have told me how much they enjoy it. So and the kids are... From I mean, I, there have been kids born since then in these families, and then the oldest now is in sixth grade and still looks forward to Aww, it. Aw, so, that's so adorable. Um, and then similar is another resource called Star from Afar, and it's kind of the same concept as of Elf on the Shelf, which everybody has their own personal opinions on. Which, but uh, we'll go into yeah. later. <laughs> but it's. Uh, where you hide a star every day and so the kids come when they wake up and they find the star and it's again that hope and that anticipation I was able to say it right yes yay Um, about Advent and there's also with it an Advent calendar I don't know that resource as well it came out after Donkey in the Living Room so I already like went all in on that one for all of the kids in my lives but it's a great thing and also a great alternative to Elf on the Shelf which Let's talk about that. Go Uh, for it. Oh, it just, like, it just creeps me out. Whether or not you do it, whether or not you do it with your kids, you probably have people in your pews who do it or have done it or love it or whatever. It's, it's just creepy and... Well, from my understanding of it, it's an elf that sits on your shelf and watches to make sure that you're being a good person. Yes, and it's a threat to your kids that if they don't behave, Santa won't bring them toys. Right. And the elf is always watching to give a report every night. Exactly. And you can't can't touch... There's so many rules. Like, you can't touch the elf. But yet, you can buy the elf outfits. Yes. And so there's, like, this huge commercial aspect of it. Well, and I think what bugs me the most about it is... Then it becomes a thing for parents where it's one more thing to do during Advent, where not only do they have to, or that pre-Christmas time, depending on, you know... What you call it, you know? Your religious understandings, but it's one more thing. I mean, I know parents who've bitched on Facebook about, oh crap, I'm in bed and it's 3 a.m. and I remember that I forgot to move the stupid elf. So it's stressful. Yes, it's one more thing to stress. And then there's also a one-upmanship of like... You're supposed to pretend that your elf made cookies in the middle of the night, and then you're supposed to pour flour all over your kitchen because the elf made a mess. Right. Or that the elf ripped up a feather pillow because it had a pillow fight. Or, like, it's... If, if that's your jam and you like being creative, and I know people who do who do similar things with their kids, like there's in my in my first call they had there was like a dino month where like the dinosaurs would run amok every night for a month, and yeah. it was hilarious and it was fun and yeah. chill. But like this is like you you're amping it up, adding stress, including the creep factor. 
it just doesn't sound fun. So, the, so there's, there's, if you really want to do something like Elf on the Shelf, there are other things to do. There's the star, yes, star from afar. I've also heard um, something recently called Kindness Elves, and you can Google that and find that online, and you can buy them, and they have a book, and you can like you can do outfits and like the whole nine with these yeah. guys. But the premise of the Kindness Elves is that it's based. I think it's based on doing like an act of kindness every day or like the you know the elves being more of an inspiration of infusing some kindness and humanity into this into the crazy season so instead I'm, of just behave right instead of just behave just shut up and sit down and be good yeah. so mommy can take a nap or whatever yeah. like let's let's turn the focus on to something good now and we also let's caveat this neither one of us are parents yeah that's <laughs> <So>, true <laughs> um so again if it's your jam to use lydia's words go yeah. for it but for many non-parents i know it's just a weird thing and we don't get it but also but if you want to do a tradition with your kids there are so many other advent traditions you can do there's advent calendars which you can find at any store that have a little bit of chocolate in them or even they have ones at Target the other week that had both Legos and their Zoom Zooms, which are those little stacking Disney character things. I think that's what this one's... I have no idea. Yeah, I don't <laughs> no, know. Again, don't no. have kids. Not up with the things. <laughs> no. Um, that sounds fun, though. Much yeah. more fun than... Yeah. But you can find advent calendars for anything. If you Google advent calendar and like something that you like, you're more than likely to find it. Because you can find advent calendar calendars where there's a bottle of wine each yes. day. That's a lot of wine. That is a lot of wine. You can also do a bottle of beer. I've actually have made them for my husband in years past of uh, where he got a Legos and or beer and or running gear every day for throughout Advent. That's but awesome. we also don't do a whole lot for Christmas presents. So that was most of his Christmas presents. And I've also seen on the Young Clergyman Project, if, like if you like Sephora has an Advent calendar. Yes. <laughs> Which is pretty wild. But do that instead. Yeah. Please. I mean, and they have Advent calendars that have Bible verses in them every day, and they have ones that are just the Bible verses and not the goodie, the candy, or whatever with it. There's also a bazillion Advent devotionals you can find. Most churches have some around that you can easily find. There's places that will email them to you. Last year, oh my God, there was an Advent devotional called Fuck This Shit. It was so great. Uh, that was life giving to oh, me. Oh wow! I got a lot of flack from a lot of corners, but it was it was very real. Well, that's why it was called fuck yeah, this shit. Exactly. And I love that. It was it was really life giving to me. But I'm also not someone who's easily offended. So right, I, <laughs> obviously, obviously, obviously. I think the point of the the point of a devotional of some sort of devotional Advent practice is that it shouldn't feel like it makes you more crazy. Do something that's life giving to you. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. If it's not life-giving to you, if it's not enhancing your relationship with God, don't do it. Be like, get behind me, Satan. Yes. <laughs> Completely. Yes. So, with that said. All right. So we have also have moved on to round two for drinking because, you know, I already couldn't say anticipatory that well. Right. So let's really make it bad. So I am moved on to Ale Smith's Sublime, which is a Mexican lager. I've never had a Mexican lager before, so I thought I needed to try what one was. And it's also Sublime. I will say it's pretty good. It's The name is... Is it Sublime? Accurate. It's yeah. accurate. Yes. I'm drinking a Wild Blue because of obviously the blue connections. It's a blueberry beer. It's very sweet. I like it, but it's, it's uh, quite on the sweet side. I'm trying to figure out who makes it. It's, it's really hard to find Advent-themed beer and yes. our wine. Well, again, it's not 
a lot of the winter ones aren't out yet. Right, except yeah. for a Mad Elf. I saw a Mad Elf, and we'll probably, maybe we'll do that one for, uh, for Christmas. Oh, Christmas. that is sweet. Yeah, it's kind of dangerous because it's almost like juice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like Manischewitz sweet. I sweetened. probably won't have a second one in a row. Yes. <laughs> It'll be dangerous. So we didn't get any BYOB for Advent, uh, but if you have any ideas for Christmas, which I'm sure everyone has ideas for Christmas, please send us an email, a Facebook <laughs> message, send us a tweet, something about what you do that's fun and creative for Christmas, and we'll give you a shout out at our next recording, which will hopefully be out around Thanksgiving. So let's move on to our scripture shots. So for the first uh, Sunday of Advent, December 3rd, it's Mark 13, 24 through 37, which is Jesus talking about the Son of Man coming in the clouds, the fig tree, and staying awake. So there's a lot of parallels between uh, this reading from Mark and the Pentecost story that we get in Acts. You could uh, decide to do a dramatic reading where you take the blinds and make it dark you could have some strong fans blowing make it really kind of dramatic and have people kind of uh live this experience of the son of man coming into the clouds and imagine what would that be like it probably would be a little scary also talking about the lesson of the fig tree and talking about what what are the signs of the seasons of summer winter what are some of the signs of christmas coming there's whether or not it's you know the christmas songs happening in the mall and whatnot um so lots of stuff happening in the gospel reading that you can use Isaiah 64, 8 has got some great imagery. We are the clay. God is the potter. You could really use that as some hands-on tactile stuff, making clay things. You can make Christmas gifts. You can make bowls, especially if you're involved with meal ministry. That would be kind of cool to, mm-hmm. to relate to that. You can use clay or Play-Doh during the confession and forgiveness. Yeah, um, we're going to use actually model magic because it's a little yeah, bit cleaner cool. than either one of those two. But Yeah, you, you've, got like, you've got like a cool thing that you're going to do for like every one of these, yes, <laughs> yeah. one of these scriptures. Dots. The readings are about God, like, and more of tending toward God being angry, which is not really how we tend to. No, think this about is God one of those. Christmas. Christmas. People are going to go home and go, like, wait, I thought Christmas was coming. Why is God angry? Why is Jesus <laughs> angry at this fig tree? Wait, why right. is Jesus an adult? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, why is Jesus an adult? Why is he mad? Um, what's going on? Also, with relating, going back to the gospel reading, we've had a lot of destruction of nature natural disasters um going on which is also relating to the reading so um, you can continue to pray for the places around the country that are still reeling from the hurricanes and puerto rico especially but also talk about the creation that comes out of that destruction so maybe like talk about puerto rico and houston this most recent hurricane season but also compare it to like new orleans from 2000 what was that five when katrina hit and then lastly you can consider singing a little town of bethlehem which works really well with the song yes december 10th is advent 2 it's mark 1 1 3 8, which is john the baptist from mark style and then the isaiah reading is comfort comfort all my people which is actually the words that john the baptist quotes in mark 1 so you have a basically you'll hear the words that he quotes and then you will hear him quote those words so i'm actually gonna try and get someone in my congregation to dress up as john the baptist i would do it my i might even do it myself but i think i'm gonna get somebody else to do it and he's going to, doing the gospel, he will come out and say those words. And so I'm going to try and get him to wear wild hair and like 
something furry. And then he's going to throw out packets of gummy worms. I'm actually going to go to the store over the next few days when Halloween candy is still out and see if I can get those individual packets of gummy worms and possibly some honey sticks. And we're going to hand them out to people and encourage them. I mean, if you really want to, you can do. There is freeze-dried bugs out there. <laughs> but a lot of people might look at you like you're crazy. I'm sure they're no, also expensive. The, the body of Christ and the bugs of Christ. Yeah, so we're going to throw them out during the gospel, actually. It would also be a good day to do a first-person perspective sermon so that you are preaching from the viewpoint of John the Baptist. So if you, as the preacher, want to dress up as John the Baptist, especially, that would be awesome. Something else you can do is... uh, talk about if you have an old plant that if you do not have a green thumb and you have an old plant that's somewhere um, like I have some mums that are dying in my backyard right now you can (laughs) save them and then you can try and get the seeds out that might even be good during a children's sermon and talk about the grass withers and the flower fades but this is the cycle of life and from death comes new life you can use John the Baptist's words during confession forgiveness as well and then also just something different you can in your children's sermon you can read where the wild things are it might be a little long though it's been a long time since i've read that book but i know it's not the shortest children's book so it's a fun image it's yeah like being afraid of the wild things and then coming to realize that's where salvation is from yeah that's so cool all right december 17th advent three john the baptist part two john styles yeah this is the year we get john twice so um, in, in my former church, the other pastor that I worked with thought of, always com- always lamented that there was not a blow-up, light-up John the Baptist that you could put in your yard, like for the Christmas decorations. Oh, that would be awesome. So he, like every year that John the Baptist came up, he would always talk about how like amazing, like, you know, we have the Mary and the Joseph and the Jesus and it's cute and the sheep and the blow-up and it's yeah. adorable. Well, why don't we have John the Baptist? Why don't we have John the Baptist with a giant locust? Right! (laughs) It would be fantastic. Anyway, but so feel free to use that as like a fun image in your sermon. Like, why don't we have that? Skipping back to Isaiah 61, uh, which totally relates to the message that John the Baptist is preaching, the good news to the oppressed, which of course is what Jesus is coming to do. How do we hear that? How do we as kind of, I know the Lutherans being specifically mainly white, middle class fairly privileged well, and not just Lutherans any mainline denomination any mainline, yeah so like how do we how do we hear that and how it, how can it how is it not a message for us but how can it be a message for us too and then going back to the things that John the Baptist said about pointing to Jesus Jesus being the true light something fun you can do is you can give out sources of light flashlights candles glow sticks you can probably pick up some glow sticks after the Halloween everything and they'll probably be on sale. Hand them out just to remind us that Jesus is the light. That'd be a great children's sermon. Or you could read the gospel in the dark if you can do that. Some glow sticks. That'd be fun. You can also sing This Little Light of Mine in any of its iterations that you know. Regular yeah. style, camp style. You can also compare John the Baptist to a GPS system on your phone. It's a great tool. Sometimes it <laughs> doesn't always work amazing. Yeah. But it tells you where you need to recalculate. Recalculating. Yes. Recalculating. U-turn, make a U-turn, make the next available U-turn. I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday, a day before, about GPS death, about people who have actually done stupid things that they know not to do, but because GPS has told them to. Like, what? And they've died? No, not died, oh. but like it's mental death. Mental death. So like they talked about one guy who drove his car off a pier because GPS thought the ferry route was a road. 
Oh, no. And it's like, can't you see the road ends and yet he drove? And it was an Audi. <laughs> wow. There, there you have a sermon illustration. Yes. You're welcome. So we talked earlier about December 24th is Advent 4 this year at Christmas Eve, but also Advent 4 in the morning. Gospel that morning is Luke 1, 26 through 38, which is the Annunciation of Mary finding out she's knocked up in the Lord, because that's my <laughs> favorite way of knocked saying that. Knocked up in the Lord. And then in the second reading is, or the first reading is 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 11, which is, I don't really remember what it is, because I think I'm not actually going to use 1 Samuel 1 through 20, which is Hannah longing for a child. Do it. Because really, women should have a day in the church. Right. So, well, we've had like two of John the Baptist. Yeah, like, so is. let's have two <laughs> times where women find out that they're pregnant, and hopefully not have everybody else then think that every woman then must yeah, be pregnant. No. But it's uh, so it's a day it would be a good day to act out the gospel or that reading of First Samuel uh, one. Uh, there are very good stories that lead to being able to be act out. It's also the world's shortest pregnancy because Mary finds out she's pregnant in the morning and by like she pops you know, in my worship service, it will be at 10.30 in the morning. She finds out she's pregnant. And by 7 o'clock, she has the kids. So Best pregnancy ever. Yes. I'm not sure if you'll be ready to do it for the day. Talked about our hymn singing for the day and our baby shower for Mary. It's You're doing the Magnificat for the psalm. I would suggest reordering the reading so the Magnificat comes after the gospel. Because it always seems weird to me when you do it first that you hear her song and her response before you hear the fact that she's knocked up. Yep. Like, wee, lectionary. Yeah, awesome. That was our scripture shots. So they're probably a little bigger shots than usual because Advent is awesome. And there's so, full so of much good stuff there. So much. There were big shots. So like, hopefully you could take it. <laughs> it's only four, too. It's only four. So um, so our chaser for today is a book that I ordered from Cokesbury a couple weeks ago, and I finally actually read it. Um, it's called A Season of Little Sacraments, Christmas Commotion, Advent Grace by Susan H. Swetnam. She's a Catholic uh, woman, but she writes good books. And it's S-W-E-T-N-A-M. Correct. And so she talks about, she takes each of the week's Basically, like, one uh, kind of essay for each day of Advent. And her the reason that I bought it, because she talks about how how do we use our preparations for the crazy season of Christmas. There are crazy preparations for Christmas. How do we infuse Advent devotionally into these crazy practices? So she talks about lighting the lights and how that is the light of Christ that's coming. She talks about how if you're shopping on t- December 24th, Third, and it's crazy how you can try to maintain a sense of kind of a patience and kindness in the midst of all the, the crazy preparations. Delivering angel tree gifts, pr- choosing presents for friends and family. Yeah, she does. Tree. I, I'm yeah. reading the table of contents right now. Right, yeah. And she talks about, she makes cookies with children and now those children have grown up and take the tradition amongst themselves and... I've carried it on and so it's really good because every single one that she writes about is something that we all do to prepare for Christmas and then she reframes it as a way to bring some sort of kind of anticipatory advent grace to that particular practice that could make us really stressed it's not about let's add all of these devotionals to our time 
It's how do we do what we already do and make it holy. Yeah, and just looking at it, it's only four chapters a week, so it's no. not even like a thing. And each it's not, chapter yeah, is like a day. four, five, six pages. It's not yeah. long. It's divided so. into four weeks, and there's a couple every day, a couple every week. It's short. It's like less than 200 pages. Yeah, the entire book, start to finish, is 144. That includes all the table of contents and stuff. So it's very easy to read. I would highly recommend it. I'm going to use it probably in like a lot of my preaching. So this has been Becky Mitty Conlon and Lydia Postelt, and we've been uh, Lit Liturgy. Please find us on Facebook and Twitter, both at Lit Liturgy, or you can email us at uh, Lit Liturgy, L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y at gmail.com. And uh, for our next podcast, What's Brewing is Christmas and Epiphany. So hit us up on Twitter and on email and on Facebook with your suggestions. And again, we thank you so much to Brian Odine for the, our wonderful, delightful theme music. We love it. So again, this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly.